The queen of breads is born of balance, measure, texture, timing, shape, heat, experience. Fine-tune these factors and the results will sing for themselves. From a Shabbat table bedecked in the unparalleled scent and unstoppable savor of fresh challah, the Queen of Breads reflects the unparalleled lives of Jewish women who knead their flower of corporeality with waters of revelation and blend competing forces of career, tradition, family, and fashion. Like the Shabbat itself, she introduces wonder while preserving sanctity, and she is at peace. Please join us in welcoming Mrs. Dana Gavin of Houston, Texas, Vice President of Sales at BrianGavinDiamond.com. Mrs. Hannah Greenstein of Atlanta, Georgia, Amazon Operations Manager and Student at Emory University. Mrs. Yael Roth of Boca Raton, Florida, Registered Nurse, Public Health Nurse, Legal Nurse Consultant, Retired Nursing Professor, Home Care Owner and Administrator, and Healthcare Advocate. Ms. Basia Hans of Miami, Florida, social media content creator and a director of social media at the Rohr Jewish Learning Institute. Welcome, good afternoon everyone, and thank you so much for joining us here today. I wanna introduce myself, my name is Shane D. Jacobson, and a whole year, I have a special baby that I take care of, and that is called the Rosh Chodesh Society, the women's division of the Rohr Jewish Learning Institute. And this is a session that we are hosting to honor, to respect, and to celebrate powerful, amazing Jewish women all around the entire world. So I just would like to open the session and share the following with you. I think it speaks for every single Jewish woman, every single Jewish girl around the world, regardless of where each and every one of us comes from, of our age, of our stage in life, I think we have a special gift. If we are born of a Jewish woman, if we are Jewish by choice, we carry something very, very special. And what that is, that we can be successful in every single area of life. I grew up from when I'm tiny, my earliest, earliest memories are always being told, you can do whatever you want because God gave you tremendous gifts. And if you do whatever you want, but you do it with the message of the Torah, you will guaranteed to be successful. So I will open just by sharing the following. I'm sure some of you know this, but being that our holy land of Israel, Eretz Yisrael, is always on our minds, and we are Jewish women, I think this is the message that all of us carry. When Henry Kissinger became the Secretary of State of the United States, he proceeded to write letters of introduction to all of the different countries, the different personalities, the different heads of countries that he was going to be working with, particularly the allies of the United States. And he wrote then a letter to the then Prime Minister of Israel, which was Golda Meir. And he wrote to her, I'd like to introduce myself to you. I am 
the new Secretary of State, etc., etc. I look very forward to working with you and to being a good friend of Israel. He signed, before he signed his name, he said, and I would like to let you know that these are my priorities in the following order. Number one, I am Henry Kissinger, the Secretary of State of the United States of America. Number two, I am, of course, an American citizen. And number three, I am a Jew. She received the letter and she immediately responded to him. And this was her response. Honorable Mr. Kissinger, thank you so much for this wonderful letter. I too look very, very forward to working with you, but I would like to let you know one thing. I'm sure you're aware that in our country, we read from right to left. So she was a Jew first, and that was the message she was giving him. So gives me tremendous pleasure to introduce four incredible women who are really incredibly successful in their areas. Most and foremost, they are what we say in Yiddish, a real mensch, and they are a Jew first, each and every one of them. So let's have a round of applause for our women's panel. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for the honor of being here. My name is Hannah Greenstein, and I'm a current student at Emory University and had the privilege of being an Amazon operations logistics manager within the largest logistics and sort center of Amazon in the whole entire US. And I want to start this panel by introducing where I come from, my background, and how I got to where I am now. So I grew up in Canton, Georgia, which is a small rural town in Georgia, about an hour north of here, in a traditional um, Jewish home. And out of my high school of 2,800 people, I was the only Jew. So as a varsity cross-country swim and track athlete, I came out onto the field, and in the gravel right there, was a giant swastika in the gravel. And I thought to myself, I'm the only Jew here out of 2,800 people. This must be for me. Thanks. <laughs> and you could imagine how I felt going only to Sunday school. Every Sunday, my parents drove 45 minutes to get me there. And I was very hardworking and ambitious, and I had strength in me to change the world, and I didn't know where to put that energy. So for me, it was putting it into school. For me, the epitome of life is getting into the best college imaginable, and that's, that, that's my life, that's my life goal. So I started my own voiceover business at 14 and worked with 500 different clients. And I did 700 hours of volunteer work, and I won the Girl Scout Gold Award, et cetera, et cetera, on all, all these running te teams, excuse me. But at a certain point, after taking the ACT and SAT five times, what kind of mashugana am I? <laughs> Who does that, you know? Where's the meaning in life? You know, at a certain point, you get into, your, in your, into the college of your dreams, and you realize, what's next? So I had a breaking point, 
And I realized when I met these high school girls at a high school called Base Rifka in Crown Heights, I met them as a camp counselor at Chabad of Cobb, and they changed my life. I realized there's got to be a balance of do working hard, accomplishing your dreams, and having meaning. So I turned to Judaism, thank God, and I realized that with the Sabbath, slowly, I was able to incorporate some sort of normalcy and balance between my ambition and what I want for my career and being a happy Jew, being a happy person. Um, so next in my journey, I decided to go to Oxford College, which is a small liberal arts college of Emory University. And with the help of the Lipskers, and really with no Jewish knowledge or seminary at all, I took with me the, the quote of, learn Aleph, share Aleph. You know one thing in Yiddishkeit, you know one thing in Judaism, I'm going to try to share it, and I'm going to try to change others and inspire others, even though I know nothing, really. So I went to college, small rural college, same story, just like Canton, Georgia, but this time, I'm making an impact, and I'm not being quiet about that swastika. I'm standing up for myself, and I'm going to change others. With only five students at the first Shabbat, none of them were really Jewish. I just said, tell your roommates, let's go. Let's get this Shabbat energy going. Let's inspire others. And after two years of being at Oxford, we had an executive team of 20 individuals making a Shabbat of 80 people. We brought a kosher meal plan to campus. We got 18 students signed up for Sinai Scholars, which is an amazing course helping with the beginnings of Yiddishkeit. And from there on, my story continues to Amazon, which I'm going to talk to you in a little bit after these wonderful ladies continue. Hi, my name is Dana Gavin. I guess Dana in America, just to make sure it's spelled correctly. And uh, I'm going to give you, the first part of my talk will be a little bit about my background, how I got to where I am today. I'm currently the Vice President of Sales at BrianGavinDiamonds.com, which is an international, um, well, it's US-based, but services internationally, uh, an incredible journey that I'll talk about later. But honestly, I feel like that's just the end of my story and how I managed to do all my other things, and so I'll, I'll, I'll begin like that. So I was born in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, long before you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were uh, one of 2,000 Jewish families of Polish, German, Russian descent. My great-grandfather, Joseph, came to the Golden Medina to make his fortune, and I'm actually second generation Zimbabwean. My parents, both of, thank, of whom, thank God, are still living, were born there in the 30s, and I was very fortunate to go to a Jewish day school, believe it or not. We had a little Jewish day school. It was a very Zionistic based. We learned Hebrew, we, we learned a little bit of Chumash, but main thing was, I was with all Jewish kids getting a very strong Jewish identity. We were all pushed very hard, and I'm happy to say that I'm in touch with many of my classmates, all of whom have been very successful. So um, 
We moved from Zimbabwe to South Africa when things went difficult there. And I went to university and had my first experience, uh, an incredible experience. I was doing a very difficult course. I wanted to do arts and languages, and it was really difficult. And I needed an easy subject. And I remembered in day school that I really loved Jewish studies, hadn't really delved into it much, it was just more of you know, being with Jewish kids and getting that identity. And I took Jewish studies. Now, I was at a university in a beach town called Durban, South Africa. And we used to go down to the beach and then put on a t-shirt and go to class and then go back to the beach. Uh, happy to, I was a few, you know, nice tanned and healthy and having a good time. And the professor walked in and he was wearing a black hat and a black suit and he didn't look up. He looked down and he was incredibly interesting, and he sent us to the library to read readings by a rabbi called Menachem Mendel Schneerson. He never used the word Chabad, he never used the word Sichas, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, none of that. So for the whole first year of Jewish studies, I was reading the Rebbe Sichas. Amazing stuff, did not really internalize much because I was having a good time, it was college. And at the end of that year, I just felt like I couldn't give that part up. And I did a second year of Jewish studies. And we delved into Jewish philosophy, which in essence was Hasidus. But again, cloaked. He used to go to Johannesburg. I'm sorry Rachel Goldman's not here. I was going to really acknowledge her as being one of the influences. I know. But, um, she, so I, he used to go to Johannesburg for the, for the Jewish holidays because there wasn't much happening in Durban. And he said, do you know that Goldana? I feel she has potential, but I just don't know how to get to her. I wish today I knew where he was, Rabbi Shalom Greenberg. But that was the beginning of my uh, Rebbe thing. Fast forward, my husband was um, living in Johannesburg, and his brother got married. Cyril Goldman is here, and she actually asked me, how is Louis Gavin, who is the brother who had been um, introduced to Chabad? And he got married, and my husband was at the Chopa, and they sang the Alter Rebbe's Nigan, and he said that it just, I still don't get it, but just touched him to such an extent that he just felt he needed to go further. His mother, who we lovingly, Oliver Sholem, referred to as the president of the sons who decided to become from. So now she's got another one who's going to become from. And she sent him away to Durban to get him away from these crazy people over Pesach. And he was friends with a guy who was my best friend's boyfriend. And they needed a fourth. And so we met. And he was nothing that I had ever really thought about wanting. That's another whole story. But he proposed in three weeks. So there we were. And he said, I want you to keep Shabbos and kosher and mikvah and Jewish education. I said, I'll do anything you want, but we're going to live in America. So little did I know. We got married, and we came to America. We came to Houston, Texas. I have an, an aunt who used to live there. And thankfully, there was a fantastic Chabad community. We were really pioneers. They had only put the building up in 72. We got there in 85. I can tell you today that it is a huge community. There's just more and more people coming in. But we had a shul. We had a school. We had a mikvah. Very little kosher food. And we built our family there. I will tell you that... Um, 
They were very instrumental in my beginning growth there. We used to have um, classes in my house sometimes. We had um, every Pesach and Sukkot, we would have a post-Pesach and post-Sukkot barbecue for all the Bacharim who were coming in from the different yeshivas. My husband was very much like a mentor of theirs. And so our children grew up with a lot of that going on. I was very touched by a book called Generation to Generation by Rabbi Avram Tursky Alvasholem. He spoke about two concepts that really impacted how I approached the way I looked at child rearing. One was espasnished, which meant that a behavior that a child is showing is below them. So instead of chastising them, which was kind of how we were brought up, you know, with the, you know, we don't do that, whatever, we, I tried to instill in them that their behavior should be higher than that. And the other thing was delayed gratification, which really, really impacted me in so many ways, that things don't just happen like that. And how you teach a child when they're smaller, you, you know, waiting an hour between, between milk and meat, and, you know, the, if you're one, you wait one hour, if two, you wait two hours after meat to milk. And, you know, kids, I'm not being flashic. I'm not being flashic. So we, we did that. Um, last thing I just wanted to say about this part was that um, just being involved in that early time with my children and the opportunities that it afforded us to educate them in a way that I would have never imagined presented themselves by being part of Chabad. We sent them to yeshivas out of town. They went on incredible camp um, uh, opportunities. They, they, just, they just had in, incredible in, um, opportunities along the way, met the people that they have. Um, I, I could tell you that, I'm going to get to the business part in the second part, but really I'm more proud about my kids, um, <laughs> that they went through the system. I have a rabbi who also has a big company. He's an internet uh, guru, does social media. I have a son who's a lawyer. I have a daughter who's a shlucha and runs Friendship Circle of Houston with her husband, and I have a son who's a data scientist, whatever that means, but really very successful children, all who are very much connected with the Yiddishkeit. Um, I'll talk about the rest later. Hi, everyone. I'm Basia Hans. I grew up in Miami, Florida, and now I live in Brooklyn, New York. A lot of life happened between those two cities. So I grew up in Miami in a pretty typical American, secular, beautifully dysfunctional Jewish home. <laughs> and if someone asked me when I was growing up, what am I? I would very proudly tell them that I'm Jewish. A lot of my friends could answer that they're Colombian or Venezuelan or Brazilian. In Miami, you have a lot of South Americans with really rich culture. And I definitely felt like I needed my own. So even though I was only one of two Jewish students in my school, I knew I was Jewish, but I knew very little what that meant, what our tradition stood for, what our culture stood for. And throughout life, I maybe got more interested and less interested until I got to college, where I found a lot of comfort and, ref and refuge in a time that was a big transition with fellow Jews and in a Jewish environment. And 
I went on birthright the summer of my freshman year of college. And I met these girls who had very similar interests as me. They dressed the same as me. They liked to do the same things. But came to go out to eat, they would only go to a kosher restaurant. Came Friday night, it was Shabbos. And it was the first time in my life that I saw someone so relatable to me and so connected to their Jewish identity, so connected to God, and not in this extreme way that I always thought. Joke's on me. Um, so on my, on my birthright trip, I kept my first Shabbos, and as Divine Providence would have it, my birthright trip laid out over two Shabbosim. We had two Shabbos experiences over the whole trip. So then I kept a second Shabbos, and I remember I turned 19 that year, which the Jewish calendar and the English calendar line up every 19 years. So your Jewish birthday and your English birthday is the same in your 19th birthday. So it's kind of like, I was like, oh, wow, it's so interesting. It's like a new um, endeavor into this new year and chapter of my life. So I kept the second Shabbos, and then I came home, and I could say that I kept every Shabbos since, tried to keep Shabbos ever since. Um, and that was really the beginning of my Jewish journey. And I think the, the biggest thing that I'm grateful throughout this whole journey was that in college I had a lot of opportunities to go and learn in different Jewish programs with Chabad on campus, with Sinai Scholars, which is part of JLI. And there were many times that I just wanted to run away from my college life and my, and my everyday experience because when you're getting so involved in learning these beautiful Jewish ideas, who cares about Excel and math and calculus? Like I could just, I really could care less. Um, so I just wanted to go away and study somewhere and be in seminary and my family was like, absolutely not. Do whatever you want, keep Shabbos, eat kosher, we don't care, get a college degree. Like that was the one condition. Um, so I stayed and I actually look, reflect on that and I feel so grateful that rather than having to leave my everyday life and find like this new person and this new identity, I really had to incorporate it into my everyday existence, my everyday life and make it one with, with who I really was, um, which now I live in, in New York. I have the great privilege of working for JLI, doing social media with an amazing team. And to be continued. Hello, everyone. My name is Yael. Pleased to meet you. I'm so glad to be here after, what, a couple of years, a gap in between there. Hmm. Who am I? Caught me to really think about that. I was born in a previous British colony known as Guyana. And within myself, you don't realize it looking at me, but I am basically United Nations, comprised of African, East Indian, Portuguese, Far Eastern Chinese, and there's one missing, Irish. So, when asked, I usually say I'm a royal mutt, because I really don't know how to quite define who I am. Well, I tossed around through life a lot, always wanted to be, always an educated person, always climbing and clamoring for better and better and better. At about 
40 years old, a weird thing happened to me. I was sitting in someone who's sitting in this room right now. I was sitting in her living room sofa. And she was introducing me to the concepts of Judaism. I was sent to her by someone who demanded really that I convert. And I'm so thankful to that person. And while I was there, I said to her, question, a statement I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget. I think it was a second class. I said, is this Judaism? And she said, yes. I said, I've lived this all my life. I said, what do you mean you've lived this all your life? I said, yes. I know about Shabbat. I hated it. I know about Friday night. I detested it because my friends would laugh at us. I grew up being a vegetarian. As I got older, I loved going to, to the church there, as we called it. And we prayed and we played with my friends and I learned. I did a lot of stuff. All you're doing is basically you're telling me the why. I didn't know the why, because it was part of my moray. I was brought up to just do these things. Well, I delved more and more and more into it and realized that I liked the whys. I could somehow attach them. I did so much in the areas of Judaism, because I always tried to play catch-up. My greatest desire, if someone would help me, I'm trying to find out, that's my latest task, which I'll discuss more in the second half, trying to work with forces to, let's try to get those 10 tribes, as an article that's written, floating around, we are not lost. We are still here. So to try to do that. Professional-wise, I've done a lot. Been there, done that. But I don't hold much pride in that. I hold my pride is most in what I'll discuss and elaborate in the second part of what my husband and I has done and now I'm left alone to continue it. Yes, my husband just died recently. And um, I'm not going to cry. And um, we've done a lot. I think in being on parallel and also taking that force, the force that I took from the secular world to be all that I needed to be, I'm going to take that force. I've already used it. And actually go around the world to light candles and reveal all the crypto Jews of which I am a product of. So, in the second half, 
We'll delve more into that. I now hand it over. Hi again. Um, in the second half now, I'm going to discuss how coming to Judaism has impacted my life in such a beautiful way. And I'm going to start by explaining that after college, um, I had the privilege to move to Crown Heights um, and learn and get married five months ago. And um, my husband and I, we moved back to Georgia for an amazing opportunity to start a job as an Amazon operations manager, um, like I said, in the largest sort center in the US. And um, so a mushal, a parable that I have to explain is in Parshas Vayechi, at the end of Yaakov's life, he blessed his 12 children, which were the 12 tribes, and he had a prophecy about what their lives were going to be. And he told all 12 of them. And he explained to them that each of their lives is going to be different. It's going to be fantastic, phenomenal, amazing, outstanding. It's going to be different, though unique path of life with a special energy. And that energy in, in a different journey is gonna manifest in the world. Another example of how Jews do this is in the Beis HaMikdash, we had several different jobs for Jews. We had Kohanim, we had Leviim, some were taking the tabernacle. We see in Judaism that Jews have different journeys, they have different paths, and without one, we can't have any. We need them all in order to survive, in order to thrive. So for me, I realized coming back to Judaism that Jews have different paths. And leaning into your passion, leaning into what you're good at, is what we're made to do. So for me, that was leaning into my voiceover business, getting more customers, leaning into that entrepreneurial, ambitious side of me that I had in high school and adding meaning to it. For me, it was going into an unfamiliar, I find myself always in rural places. Buford, Georgia was, is where DGE9, the Amazon Sort Center is. Once again, only Jew. So I'm there and I realize I can have an impact on these individuals. At night, we work at night, we work from midnight until sometimes the next day noon, so it's the night shift, and we process 60 to 120,000 packages every six hours. And it, we run a tight ship. <laughs> There's a reason why your packages come in two days, is all I have to say. So I realized in this, in this position of power, I can either treat my employees well or I can treat my employees wrong. And I was choosing for the first one. I was choosing just like in those different paths of Yaakov blessing his children. Each one is unique. Each one is different. I'm leaning into and realizing that being a Jew and following your dreams, they go hand in hand. And bringing that meaning of life, that as a high schooler, as a kid, maybe I didn't have so much. 
And now I do, thank God. And bringing that into, the wor- into your work life, bringing it into your family life, into your home life, into your friends, to your family, it makes the whole world a better place. And my resolution is to not be afraid of being a Jew. Standing up for what I want to do, being proud of who I am, and going out and accomplishing what I want to do, it's changed my life. And I want to say l'chaim, and thank you for listening. Uh, being a Shomish Shabbos observant Jew has not hindered my personal provo- or professional growth at all. In fact, exactly the opposite. The framework of Torah has given me the tools to become the, the best version of myself. Truth is, even though I'm the vice president of a big company, at heart, I'm really a Jewish educator. I graduated college with a degree in education, and my, my first jobs were at the Chabad School in Houston, Texas, and then um, happened on an amazing job with the Board of Jewish Education called the Bureau of Jewish Education in Houston, Texas, where I was the programming coordinator and then the assistant director of um, the Bureau of Jewish Education. I left there in 1998. Uh, Being there for me uh, was just an amazing, amazing opportunity because I was in the Federation world where there were other observant Jews, but I was coming from a standpoint, a different kind of slant, and I had so much at my fingertips. I was overseeing training 400 teachers in the day schools and the religious schools. In 1990, uh, Perestroika, 89, when the gates opened in Russia, I get a call from this CEO, hey Dana, The Russians are coming tomorrow, we need a program. I'm like, a program? Yeah, you need to put together, they know nothing about Judaism, just put something together. Incredible, incredible opportunity, where to start? Just a couple of memories. I called all the different rabbis, reform, conservative, orthodox. We we were all in one room, it was unbelievable. And every Friday I would go to the main place where they were being housed and we would make a Shabbos party and, you know, teach Torah a little bit. Erev Rosh Hashanah, which is now, we took a shofar and I said, please put your hands up, anyone who has never heard a shofar before, and literally, probably 80% of the room had never heard a real live shofar, stood up, said, Shechianu, there was lots of tears. We had many of these Russian families come to our home I remember on Sukkot, there was a woman, she's still in Houston, her name was Meira. We have a beautiful Sukkot by our pool. And she sat there around dessert and she said, this is why I came to America. How powerful for me and for us that the, this, what I thought was a Sukkot dinner in my Sukkot with the millions of other people that were coming through my house over the years, were where she... That was her defining moment. We recently had a guy come to Houston from Brazil, and he came over to my husband and he said, remember when I was at your house, Shabbos, 10 years ago? My husband said, I'm terribly sorry. You know, we have a lot of people. I kind of remember you. Yeah, I was there with my friend. You asked my friend, what's your Jewish name? My husband's very, you know, to the point. What's your Jewish name? He said, 
Apparently he left there that night and whatever my husband said to him hit some kind of note. He's married now, Shomer Shabbos, has kids, he's a from guy. We never knew about it till the guy came back. So the power of just doing my thing but not even understanding the impact of it in that world. We went, I was privileged to go on March of the Living to Poland um, and Israel in 1996 a life-changing experience that really changed, changed things. And, and on that trip too, being the only really from person on our bus with a group from San Francisco, I'd never seen so many tattoos and piercings and it was, you know, pretty, pretty eye-opening to me that I'm still in contact with a couple of those girls today who basically became more from, from that. I oversaw a trip to Israel for teenagers in 11th grade, we, I remember interviewing them and they were like, yeah, whatever. We have a whole group of those kids and I wasn't even supposed to do that, but we have a whole group of kids who are now from Shomer Shabbos and um, they have a, there's, a, there's a group in Houston called Pork, Parents of Religious Kids. And those kids, and, and it's not a Chabad initiative, it's a citywide initiative. And they are all, because of my trip in 1990-something, anyway, moving along, how did I get into Brian Gavin Diamonds? So my kids were getting older, and my husband's in the diamond business, he's a first-generation diamond um, expert, you can Google him, Brian Gavin, there's a million pages about him. And he said to me, you know, I know you love what you do, but I need you. I said, what do you need? He said, I'm used to being on the phone, calling. I need someone with communication skills who can write well. We need to move this business in a different direction. And so, with a broken heart, I really, really, with a broken heart, left my job at the Federation. I will tell you that I had my, one of my big birthdays last year, and my son, Danny, who's um, my social media guy, did a very, very special thing. There's a couple or at least one person in the room who's on the video. He called all our friends around my friends. He found people, the girl who put my husband and I together, who lives in Florida, who walks around in tank top and shorts. She was on my video and my new friends and my from friends and my, for, I forgot about friends and a counselor from Camp Gunnistroll in Houston from a hundred years ago who told me I changed her life. I don't remember really how. And, and my old boss said to me on my video, when you came to tell me that you were leaving Jewish education, I was perplexed. I didn't understand why. What did you want with diamonds? She said, and then I see what moving into commerce allowed you to do, allowed you to give the opportunities to your family, to your, friend, to your, to your community, to, be, to move to a, a different level but you never ever weren't a Jewish educator. So even though I'm now in this multi-million dollar business working with companies all around the world, you know, sorry, clients all around the world, I still feel inside of me that that's who I am. Just a couple of quick, quick, quick um, anecdotes with that. Um, and then I'm, I'll, I, I, I have so many stories, but I tried to remember a couple of them. It was right by the beginning when I went to work with my husband. I know I don't work for him, we work together. And um, I was in jean, jean shirt and jean skirt, it was Erev Shabbos, and I was flustered, and this guy comes to the window, and he says, hi, my name is, I'm from, uh, is Brian here? 
another guy knocking on the door trying to sell diamonds. I said, I'm terribly sorry. He puts his card down. I see who he is. I'm like, oh my God, I just lied. Brian's going to kill me. He's going to want to meet this guy. I said, forgive me. I lied. He's here. Please come in. Anyway, <laughs> it's three o'clock Friday afternoon and I am running late. I jump in my car and I'm halfway home and I get a call. Brian. Hi, Donna. Ricky's coming for dinner tonight. The guy who I wouldn't let in is coming for dinner tonight. Anyway, thank God we always have what we need. This guy is a, he's a son of Holocaust survivors with all the baggage that comes with that and had really never had a Friday night dinner. He came to us in a, he was embarrassed to come in a, in a cab. He, my husband was walking home from shul and he came and he was on my video and he said Donna in the French accent. When you asked me for Shabbat dinner, I, I was going to go to a movie. You, were, you asked, from that connection, they became our biggest suppliers and have really backed us through thick and thin just because we f I feel like they had that connection that was just different. One other quick thing, the way we run our lives, when we, do when we go on vacations like being here at JLI, we try to center things around Jewish experiences. We go for Shabbos. We love going to places like Cancun, to the Shlochem in Cancun. We like to go, wherever we go, we, we, we make it a, a, a thing that, there's, that we're going to be there for Shabbos. It's not just a vacation. And I, I, I really just, I have so many stories, but I do want to just end with this, that nothing in life is perfect. And I think it's really important to acknowledge it. We know we're going to have the naysayers about this lifestyle and all that. I don't make any decision without thinking about it through a Jewish lens. And I do consult with people who are wiser with me when I don't know all the answers. I think that my balance and perspective allows me to see and strive to live on a level that doesn't sweat the small stuff. It isn't always easy, but anything truly worthwhile isn't. And I'm so grateful for the richness and the depth and the inner joy, the peace and unparalleled nachas that Torah and mitzvahs ob mitzvah observance brings to me and my life. And I really am a proud hashtag Jewish woman. So as much as I look back onto my college experience and roll my eyes of how clocked out I was, I am very grateful for the opportunity to have studied at FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. Um, so I knew since I was 12 years old that I wanted to go there. I used to watch this show called The Rachel Zoe Project. I don't know if anyone knows it, but she's a stylist from LA and she would have different people come and she would dress them and she made a line of clothing and retailers would come and choose which items they wanted to carry in their stores and I was totally fascinated by it. And my father told me, that this is actually a career you could have. It's called fashion merchandising, and there's a school that you could learn how to do it in. It's called FIT. And so from there, I knew, and I came to FIT when I was ready to go to college after some transferring and a little bit of drama, it's fine. And um, I quickly realized that I was probably not gonna continue down that career path after failing many of the math classes and the Excel classes that went into the merchandising side of fashion, but I delved pretty deeply into e-commerce and marketing and branding, and I really liked it. Um, so when I graduated, I did a little bit of event planning and campus programming, and then I found myself with the amazing opportunity to come to JLI to do social media, 
And a question that I get often that I find pretty obnoxious, it's pretty well-intended, so it's, it's welcomed, but is, are you ever going to do anything with your degree? Somehow implying that perhaps there's a glitch in the system and what I'm doing now is actually kind of a mistake. And we know there's a concept that even a blade of grass can't sway with the wind if it's not from the divine will. So how much more so a person, a Jew, for sure there's a plan here. And I feel very confident that, that this is what I'm meant to be doing. But I think that the question um, hurts a little bit deeply because we grew up in a, I grew up in a society that very much allots your self-worth to your degree. And kind of your degree is the permission that you get to believe that you can be successful in life, to believe that you have a purpose in life, that you have something to accomplish. Um, and really, I think that every person is granted that degree way before you finish college or lack thereof. But really, the fact that we exist here on Earth is a very good sign that we have something to accomplish here. We have a mission. We have success and potential to accomplish and to live with. Um, and. I feel very sure that, that, at least for this period in my life, that I've been granted plenty of days that I go to sleep totally exhausted, but excited to wake up and do it all over again. And I think that's the biggest blessing. So I'll just share that the mission that I feel that I'm in touch with right now, which it could be that it'll change and I could be open to whatever I'm needed for and whatever capacity that looks like. But that is that Judaism should feel engaging and accessible to each and every person, that it shouldn't feel that I have to prove that I'm Jewish enough to somehow engage with Torah and its mitzvot, but that me, wherever I am, I could connect with Judaism. So there's a pasuk, a sentence in the Tanya that says, Kikarav elecha me'ad, me'ad, the, which means that this thing, it's very near and very close to you. And what is it referring to? Is, is Torah and mitzvot, it's not in a far out land that you have to travel to to somehow engage with your Judaism, but thanks to technology and, and the great work of many people, in your hand, in your, in your iPhone, on your TikTok, on your Instagram Reels, you have Judaism. And for me, like the biggest win is that once a day, someone should at least just scroll past a Jewish thought. And even if they just remember they're Jewish for a few seconds, I feel that's, that's a big celebration. And even more so that they should feel that Judaism has what to say about their life in a practical, everyday capacity, and they should own it, and they should cherish it, and they should embrace it and share it with others. Thank you very much. I listened to everything everyone has said, and some of them I don't know why. We, you planned this sitting here? Because I'm going to build on what this young lady just laid here, her foundation, to go on with. I came to a point in life where I said, okay, I've worked enough. Um, I can move on and basically put that same type of energy into doing something to bring the Mashiach. I remember just it's last past, we were fasting here, and this no long ago, and I remember saying, you know what? We've been fasting and fasting and fasting. Maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe in addition to that, we should, everyone should take a little pledge that they'll do something in their immediate world to bring the Mashiach. Anyhow, we, my husband and I, 
continue on, we said we will do something in this world. We started in first in Israel, and everyone known of Laniata Hospital. We have basically, ah la la, a lot of stuff. We've brought a lot of folks that, like when, they, when you're ill and you, during the night, most of the time, folks will say, can I please hash him help? Well, we were able to, in many which ways, to do that. In Redondo Beach, education, we're currently working with the rabbi there and putting up a huge um, facility, education, Jewish education, and secular education. The city where I live in Boca Raton, the very first yeshiva in Boca, it's there. And what I fought for, and is now there, that very level of education to be female. As you teach men so hard, you make sure that they know enough. A woman must know that and more. She must work in the world out, in the secular world, and she must also raise Jewish children, so she need to know both. So therefore, there's such a school in which we have, we are behind working with in doing that. I've so far, my next step is in Taipei, where there's such a huge pro progress that China, well, still part of Taiwan, and, I mean, Taiwan is a part of China, if you want to, however you want to put it, but there's something that we're involved there with. Again, all happened to bring the Mashiach. And my next step is Dubai. Thank you. And guys, all I ask of you, because I've been there, done that, from who knows, it's only Mashiach will know, and the Arizal knew, who is indeed a Jew and who is not, only because of what has happened. So, but I beg of you, the next time you see someone, if you can try your very best to not marginalize that person, based on, are you a Jew or aren't you a Jew? But there's no such thing as a look of a Jew. So instead, do your part as a Jew to bring that light to that person. I mean, I plan in the next couple of weeks when I'm in Dubai, I don't know. I, said, I asked, I was talking about my, my rabbi, Rabbi Mintz, anyone who Rabbi Mintz from Redondo Beach, he's A, a plus perfect. I said, you, if we stop to think about it, we had two and a half tribes that did not cross the Jordan. They remained there. So, so when I head in Dubai, and I am davening during Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, I'm going to try to my very best to think of those the souls of those Jews. Moshe was buried on that side. Again, who is a Jew? We really don't know. That's my quest. I'm spending that fever that to go out there and do that. So, everyone, we all can indeed do that. Remember, the Mashiach is not going to come. That everyone ought to know about what they ought to know. We can try. Again, as Rebbe said, light your candles. Not, of course, your Shabbat candles, but 
wherever you go, Target, um, wherever you go, light your candles. I have been able to meet, oh my golly, number of Jews just by simple standing there waiting for a traffic light. I don't care who you are. I say who I am. And that empowers them to say, oh, I've heard many, oh, my grandmother used to be a Jew. I've heard so many of them. Or my mother used to be a Jew. There's one guy who said once, you know, my mother told me once we were related to this guy called Rashi. I don't know who he is, but I know I'm not. So we, see, we hear a lot of those guys. So please, if you please be so kind, I beg of you, let's try to really, truly do something to bring the Mashiach. Let's move it out of just saying that we need Mashiach now, but to do something. I don't care where it is in your garden. Do that, please. Thank you. Ladies, you see why this is so exciting in my life. Unbelievable. Thank you so, so much. It was really, really wonderful. Thank you for taking up your time and sharing your very personal, beautiful, inspiring, wonderful lives and stories with us. We will all be better people because of that. And in conclusion, I will just uh, close the session by telling you that this was exactly what the Rebbe's message was. It was always from when you have the ability to touch even a tiny child, teach them from when they're very tiny what their real message is. So I could tell you I saw this in real life. There was a gathering, a convention of Chabad women in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. And I'm going back about um, almost, almost 30 years ago, maybe 29, I don't remember exactly. And they asked, it was in Crown Heights, and as you know, or if you don't know, you will now know that on, for a number of years, the Rebbe would see people on Sunday and he would give out dollars. People would pass by and they would receive a dollar from the Rebbe. So the convention was over Shabbos and Sunday, and Sunday morning they asked all the presenters to come together and that they would take us through a line to pass by the Rebbe, the first person would tell the Rebbe that these are the presenters at the convention, and the Rebbe would give us each a dollar. And I happened to be one of the presenters that year. It happened to be the same day as my daughter's birthday. She was turning five. And we would have a custom that we would go for dollars when it was our birthdays, so we could get a blessing from the Rebbe. So I was very torn because I wanted to go as one of the presenters, but I also wanted to go to take my daughter for her birthday. I certainly was not going to go by twice. So I saw Rabbi Groner, the Rebbe secretary, and I said to him, this is my conundrum, what should I do? So he said to me, you go with the ladies of the convention, you bring your daughter along with you, and when you pass the Rebbe, you can say to the Rebbe that today is my daughter's birthday. Figured, Rabbi Groner told me that, that's what I'm going to do. My husband said, yes, that's what you should do. So I remember she was turning five. I still remember what, I, what she wore. I dressed her in a beautiful new outfit that I bought her. And I remember how I made her hair with a bow and you know her, put on her shiny shoes. And I come to 770 Eastern Parkway, and I joined the line of 
women who are the presenters, and I'm very, I feel uncomfortable because here I have this little five-year-old with me, so I tell them all, you know, I'm bringing her along because it's her birthday. And we start going in the line, and every, every presenter is passing by, and the Rebbe gives each person a dollar and says to each person, gives us a blessing that we should have success. And then I am the next person, it's my turn, and I'm with my daughter, and I say to the Rebbe that it's my daughter's birthday today. So the Rebbe looks at her and he says, are you going to the convention? And I say to the Rebbe, no, it's her birthday today. So the Rebbe ignores me, looks down to my daughter and says, are you going to the convention today? So my daughter, without skipping a beat, says yes. So the Rebbe gave her a dollar, then he gave me a dollar, and then he turned to both of us, and he took a third dollar, and he said, this is for you, that you should make sure that your mother takes you to the convention. And so, of course, at that session, a particular session, I remember I paid for her to come into the convention with me, and she came to the convention, and I told her, this is a message, what is the Rebbe teaching you that you should know from even when you're five years old that you are supposed to be part of what we do? And it happened another time I was going to speak somewhere, and I took her because I had nowhere to leave her, and I, I was going to Vancouver, actually, and, and I didn't want to say anything this time. So the Rebbe said to Rabbi Groner, she's asking for a bracha because she's going to speak at, she's going to speak for Neshei Chabad in Vancouver. And the Rebbe turned to my daughter and said, you're going to speak for Neshei Chabad? And she was all flabbergasted, and the Rebbe asked me, and Rabbi Groner said, no, the mother is going. She is going the mother is going, and the Rebbe turned to her and said, here's a dollar, you should speak for Neshei Chabad. So I told her that's her mission. So this was what the Rebbe taught us, that every single person, every single Jewish person, every single Jewish little girl to somebody that's 120 years old, we have one mission, and that is whatever we're doing in life. If we're tiny, if we're professional, if we're a homemaker, it doesn't matter what we're doing. It's when we are washing dishes. It's when we are uh, presenting something in the United Nations. It makes no difference. We stand for something beautiful, and thank you so much, ladies, for joining us, and thank you all, and may God bless each and every one of us that we sh should be able to be proud Jews wherever we find ourselves. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.